You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today we're very excited to have a special guest speaker with us. Now let's prepare our hearts as our special guest brings forth God's truth from His Word today. So I've always had a, uh, something on my heart that I'd like to do, a, that I, I just feel like doing, seri- you know, there's some things that would be good to just talk about every year. Uh, I think talking about the body of Christ, how we all serve within the, the body of Christ and how all that works, I think that's just a good thing to be reminded of over and over again, the different elements of that. Um, and so immediately my mind went when my, my dad and I were talking and, and I, my mind went immediately to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 because this whole chapter is all about the body of Christ. And uh, I like to go uh, you know, systematically through a passage uh, and sometimes when you're working through a passage, um, and one of the reasons I love doing that is because you understand the context of what's being talked about, what's being uh, communicated, um, and, uh, but sometimes it doesn't really fit with what you originally had planned. I don't know if that makes sense. It's like, Lord, I had an idea of what this is supposed to sound like, and that's not what this passage is talking about. So, um, so we're just going to go ahead. I feel like this, this lesson tonight is a good... Um, starting point. It's a great, um, uh, clearly, Paul, this was the first thing he communicated before he talked about the body of Christ. And so we're just going to understand. So really, over the next four weeks, we're just going to walk through um, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and see what Paul says to the church at Corinth and see how we can apply it to our own personal lives. So it says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 4, now concerning spiritual gifts, Brethren, I would not have you be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away with these dumb idols, even as you were led. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaketh by the Spirit of God. Excuse me. That no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed. And no man can say that Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Now, there are diversity of gifts, but one Spirit. Let's pray this evening. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for all your wonderful blessings. Pray that you'll bless this lesson here this evening. Show us some truths from your word and just how we can apply this passage to our life. And I just thank you for this church and everybody that serves and is part of this church. And you're just so good to us, Lord. And I pray all these things in your holy, precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So as I was working through this very beginning part, I'm telling you, this of all the passages I have studied, I do not know why this one was so hard for me to just really get my heart and mind around. Um, I have a way I like to study, and this one was just not fitting into the, uh, <laughs> into the way I, I had it. But I, I feel like I was able to finally get my, my heart and my mind around it. So let me just ask you this. Have you ever been reminded of something that you already knew was true? Have you ever been reminded of something you already knew it was true, um, um, but maybe you just weren't necessarily living like it was true. I mean, honestly, every time we come to church, every time we hear the preaching of God's word, it's not like pastor is bringing us things that we've never heard before, right? Every time we sit underneath the preaching and teaching of God's word, for the most part, many of us have already heard these teachings our whole lives, and, and, and many of us have heard them over and over again. So it's not really something new, but how important of it is it to be reminded of those things? Um, I love when I'm listening to a song and that song just speaks to my heart. Maybe I'm in a certain season of my life and that, that song really speaks to me. 
Maybe uh, some, there's a certain situation going on in my life and that song really speaks to me. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's really funny how sometimes we read God's Word and we can read the same passage, but God speaks to us in a different way depending on our season of life, circumstances, and things that we're going through. Uh, so we've all had to hear things and be reminded of things that we knew were true, but maybe had forgotten or maybe necessarily weren't living like. I remember when we were working at camp, and I loved working at camp. I loved being a counselor at camp. And uh, I remember, but, but all of us counselors at camp were only... 19, 20, 21, 22 years old, and so we were a bunch of kids, you know? I, you know, I always thought that we were really mature, then when I go back and I see the kids that are counseling now, I'm like, there's no way we were that young. There's no way my group was that immature. My group was so much more mature than that. I think everybody thinks that when they look back and see things that happen, they're like, wait, what? I was not like that when I was that age. Um, but I know we were immature. I know we did stupid things. And every Saturday, we would get, uh, after the kids all left, we'd have one wrap-up session in the chapel, and our camp director would run over some things with us. And something he did almost every week is he reminded us of our position and what our positions were, especially like as counselors, and, and, and reiterated some of the um, expectations that there were as counselors, right? As a counselor at camp, your ex the, the expectations for that is higher than anybody else there, than even the sponsors bringing the kids. And so he would continually remind us of those things over and over again so that we would start, and even though we, we already knew that the expectations were high before camp starts, we go through three weeks of training. There's four to six sessions a day that we sit where they, they teach us, you know, God's truths. They teach us what your position is, the standards for that position. You know, there's a, there's a lot of things going on there. But we kept having to be reminded of it over and over again because as time went on and as we got more comfortable in our positions, we started slipping, you know, and then we weren't really acting to the standard that our position was. And you know, each and every one of us, we all need to be reminded of truth in our lives. We all need to be reminded of truth. We need to be reminded of what is true and right. And we need to allow God's word to teach uh, comfort, uh, rebuke, uh, reprove, and, and do those types of things to our lives. So as I was studying through this first section here, I kind of feel like that's what Paul is doing to the Corinthian believers as he sets them up to talk about uh, the spiritual gifts coming up here. So here we have Paul. He's writing to the church at Corinth. The church at Corinth, for those of you that don't know, the church at Corinth had some serious issues, okay? It had some real, real deep problems. And uh, Paul teaches on issues in that church, such as division. Uh, division when it came to different type of leaders. You know, you might have heard that verse. Some say that I am of Paul, and I am of Apollos, and I am of Cephas, and I am of Christ. And that's just division. So they were arguing over, I like this leader, and I like that leader, and, and that leader's my favorite. And then obviously the really spiritual one said, I am of Christ. You're of Paul. I'm of Christ. And it's like, whoa, trump card, right? So some of the other things he talked about was adultery, open adultery happening in the church. Each one of these things he touches on, if a church had this as an open sin in their church, something that was just going on, that was being accepted, we would, we would think it would be a very significant issue with that church. And this church had all of these things. So they had open adultery. They, they, were, they were going to court against each other. 
So they were going to court, suing each other and going to court against each other. They had major sexual perversion and problems, even to the point that the world, people that were unsaved were looking at the church and going, man, those guys have problems. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Like even unsaved people looking at that church and being like, Ugh, those guys are disgusting. That's the type of, of issues that were going on here in the church of Corinth. How shameful, how, how, how terrible. He talks about women's dress, men's, men's haircuts, uh, the love feast, gluttony and drunkenness at the Lord's table. Just to name a few <laughs> of the many things he touches on at the church of Corinth. So clearly this church had some issues. And now here in chapter 12, Paul is addressing spiritual gifts and how the church um, is the body of Christ. And no spiritual gifts, no giftedness, none of those things that God gives to the church should ever divide the church. None of those things should ever harm the church. And how sad that God had given spiritual gifts, he had given, um, he had given these, these, these giftedness, these uh, uh, physical uh, abilities as we all have, specific spiritual gifts that he had given. And these things were given by God to complement the church, to help the church grow and work together. And they, the church was so carnal that this giftedness that God had given to this church was actually dividing the church. And they were misusing these gifts that God had given them. Um, let's see here. So, you know, as I think about this, just the context of what's going on here, um, God has given all of us spiritual gifts. This, this, this series is not going to be in any way, shape, or form diving into how spiritual gifts work and all of that, um, specifically spiritual gifts, but just kind of how they all work together. But if you know Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior, then first off, you have the gift of the Holy Spirit living in your life. You have the gift of the Holy Spirit living in your life. Paul talks about the Holy Spirit and his specific um, gifts for ministry in great detail throughout his books. In Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 17, he talks about uh, the power and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. In Galatians 5, 16 through 21, he talks about the Holy Spirit, how it struggles and, and fights against the flesh. In Galatians chapter 20, uh, 5, 22 through 26, he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. and uh, other passages, he talks about uh, spiritual gifts and the Holy Spirit and how those work. So besides our unique gifting, which we all have unique gifts here in the church, right? Each person is gifted in different areas. Uh, some people are more gifted with their minds. Some people are more gifted with their hands. Uh, just all types of giftedness here. So besides that, and besides the spiritual gifts God has given us, each and every one of us have the gift of the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. And that's the same gift that's been given to all of us. Isn't that awesome? We have Jesus Christ himself living on the inside of us. I hope that brings you great comfort. I hope that brings you great joy and comfort knowing that, that Christ himself is living on the inside of us. The gift of the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ. It says in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22-26, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit... And, and, and these listen, these are things that we can't do on our own, but we can do them through the power of of the Holy Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's, you and I, they that belong to Christ, and they that are Christ's, have crucified the flesh with the affections of the lust. 
getting back to kind of like what the gospel is there. If we live in the Spirit, are you living in the Spirit? Are you born again? Are you a Christian? If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, to, uh, one another, envying one another. All right? So even in that passage, talking about the unity. All right? So we have the power of Jesus Christ himself living on the inside of us. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. These three are one. Each and every one of us have that gift. All right? So that, despite any of the other ones, you have the gift of God himself living on the inside of you. I don't know about you, that's pretty awesome. Amen? That is pretty awesome that God has given that to us. All right? All right, verse 1 here. It says, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you be ignorant. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you be ignorant. Here we have Paul, and Paul was worried that the church of Corinth was going to be ignorant of the truth. All right? So, so this is Paul's concern that he's bringing. I'm concerned that you're going to be ignorant of the truth. There was confusion among the church about exactly what spiritual gifts were, how they were, how they were to be used within the church. And Paul didn't want the people he ministered to to be ignorant. Paul had a deep desire for the people he ministered to, to the, to the churches he planted, he had a deep desire for them to know the truth, to understand the truth, to understand God's word and to have a grasp on the truth. In Acts 17, it kind of talks about this. It says, and, and the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither went into the, the synagogue of the Jews, these were more noble than those at Thessalonica in that they received the word of God. So they listened to God's word. They heard it preached. They heard it taught to them. They received it. They weren't sleeping when Paul was preaching. <laughs> I'm not saying anyone is, but they received God's word with all readiness of mind. So they were eager to hear the truth. How often are we eager to hear the truth? They, they were just, they were, they were absorbing. They were just taking it all in. They received the word of God with all readiness of mind. And then, after they received it, they searched the scriptures daily whether these things were so. So they were more noble because they took what was taught, but they just didn't accept the things that they were taught. They took what they were taught and they measured those against the standard of what? God's word. We should always be measuring what we hear against the standard of God's word. Um, some application from this passage right here is that we, should, we shouldn't be ignorant of the truth. Paul didn't want the church at Corinth to be ignorant of the truth. We shouldn't be ignorant of the truth. We should know the truth. The Bible is our sole authority of faith and practice. I say it all the time, but that is what we hold to here at this church. The Bible is our sole authority of faith and practice. We should be searching the scriptures daily to see if the things that we hear and the things that we are taught are biblical. All right? We should do that from here at the church. Every teacher here at the church should have no problem with people going home and seeing if the things that were communicated are from God's word. Right? I mean, I would hope 
that's the accountability you have as a preacher of God's word, as someone who communicates God's word, is that people have the Bible and they can go search and, and hold you to that standard, make sure the things you're saying are true. Here's four ways, as I was thinking about it, here's four things that we could be ignorant of the truth, four different ways. We could, first of all, uh, 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 we could be ignorant of things the Bible says to do. Okay, we can be ignorant of things the Bible tells us to do, all right? Maybe you hear and you're like, I didn't know the Bible said to do that, right? So maybe something like that. There's been times where I've heard something and I was like, I didn't know the Bible said that. We could be ignorant of things the Bible says not to do, all right? I didn't, does the Bible really say that we shouldn't do that, right? We should know what the Bible says to do and also what the Bible says not to do. And then here's two other ways that I actually thought of that we can be ignorant of the truth. And that is we can be ignorant of the things other people say the Bible says to do and other things that, that other people say the Bible says not to do. Do people say the Bible says to do this and this when the Bible doesn't actually say that? Absolutely. All the time. Do the people say that the Bible says not to do something when the Bible says to do it? All the time. And so that's why we must be searching the scriptures to make sure these things are filtered through God's word. I don't even know. I was clicking through just news articles. I wasn't even clicking through them. I was just reading the headlines, you know, because, I mean, who's got time to read the whole article? So I just flipped through sometimes, just flipped through the headlines, see what they say. And I don't, it's so stupid when a politician tries to use the Bible you know what I'm saying? And they'll use like a passage to justify something that they were doing. And the most recent one, I think I was flipping through. I didn't even read the article because it was just like, so it's not even worth my time to read that article. But it was, they were using like the scriptures to justify and to show you why abortion needs to be implemented as a country. And it's like so stupid. It's like, what? So the, how many people heard that and believed it? Right? I just heard it and were like, oh, Obviously, this politician that's a homosexual said that the Bible says that abortion's okay. It must be okay, right? It's so dumb. So we cannot be ignorant of that. Don't be ignorant of what the Bible says to do or not to do. And don't be ignorant of what others say the Bible says to do or not to do either. We must always, uh, we must not be ignorant, but study and understand God's word in the context of what it says. Okay, that is one thing that I have been coming to, uh, to a strong, strong conviction in my life is that the Bible has to be taken in the context of what the passage is saying. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the words of truth. Do not take verses from the scripture out of context. Okay? That is, that is, an, it, that is just wrong. It's really, it's sinful, actually. Don't try to make the Bible say what you want it to say. You know, I believe the Bible is by far, without a doubt, the most abused book on the planet Earth. <laughs> Absolutely, without a doubt, constantly being taken out of context. And if you're saying, thus saith the Lord, or this is what God is saying, when the Bible doesn't say that, you are literally messing with, the, with God himself. Do you understand that? When, you're, when you tell someone, the Bible says this, and this Bible tells you to do that, and the Bible doesn't actually say that, you are literally putting words into God's mouth. You are adding to 
the Scriptures. And we've got to be very careful of that. And also, we must, just like being ignorant with the Scriptures, we must be willing to submit ourselves to the teachings of God's Word. We've got to be willing to, to submit ourselves to what God tells us and what God shows us from His Word. The Bible says all Scripture was given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction. Guys, these are things we don't like. None of us enjoy correction, reproof, instruction in righteousness. We uh, in chapel this morning, we're working through Proverbs chapter 31. And, and at the beginning, the very beginning of that chapter, it's, it's um, King Lemuel and, and his mother is giving him prophecy and she's, she's giving him counsel. And, you know, we talked this morning about the fact that um, parents, their, 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 their responsibility before God is to bring counsel, correction, and instruction to their children. That is literally the job God has given them. And just like if you were at work and you weren't fulfilling your job, it, that would be wrong. It would be wrong to be at a job and not do what was the requirements of that job. That is, and I was trying to teach the kids, this is your parents' requirement. That, I mean, before God, if they didn't do that, then they are not doing their job. So just kind of teaching them how not to be resentful against that, not to be upset about that. Your parents are doing what God has put them here on earth to do. We have to willingly submit to what the Bible has to say. We have to willingly submit to that reproof the Bible brings into our life. That's the job of the scriptures, right? That's what the scriptures is there for, is to reprove us, to to, to be a reflection of who we really are uh, in our hearts and in our souls, all right? Um, so we must be willing to submit ourselves to what God has to say. And then also, this is one thing that we need to do, is we need to bind our consciences to God's Word, okay? Bind our conscience to the Word of God. That means that what the Word of God says is the thing... How would I explain this? Have, have you ever like heard of um, like maybe a gang member that got, I heard this illustration given once, a gang member that gets, gets captured and uh, you know like this gang is horrible and they're the murder, stealing, rape, just horrible gang, right? So clearly we would assume they have no conscience. Would that be what we would assume? But then they're sitting there and the, the, um, uh, the detective is like, hey, tell us where your friends are. Tell us where these people are. And what is that guy going to do? He is not going to tell, right? He is, he's like, there's no way because what? His conscience has been taught by that gang. These things are okay. And if there's one thing you don't do, you don't rat out your brothers, right? That's what he has been taught, and that's what he has been, been, been put into his mind over and over again. He has a conscience. It's just totally messed up and, and not right. Because for us, we'd be like, that would be good and right to say where all these bad people are so they can be put in prison. I say all that to say this. When we have our conscience, our conscience needs to be bound to the Word of God. You know, sometimes... Um, you know, people get so frustrated. For us, it would be people that are maybe more liberals because they say things and do things that we're just like, how could you even think that? But you know what's happened is they've been raised and their conscience has been bound to things outside of God's word. They've been, so, so these, they're, they're thinking things like this is actually wrong. That actually is bothering their conscience. You know, like, like not allowing um, to, to say abortion is wrong 
for, for like some liberals that they're like, that actually bothers my conscience. They, they, I mean, they actually believe it. They're not, that's, that's the way they were raised, all those types of things. So this is what I'm trying to get at. We need to bind our conscience to the scriptures. The things that bother God are the things that bother us. Uh, the things that, that, that are concerning to God are the things that are concerning to us. This is what we need to form our conscience. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Allow God's word to have that transforming work and bind your conscience to the scriptures. Not to other things, but solely to the scriptures. Um, so, so what is the solution for ignorance? So here, he doesn't want the people to be ignorant. He doesn't want them to be, be foolish. What does he want? Ignorance, the definition of ignorance, and, and we all kind of know it, but it's the lack of knowledge, the lack of education, the lack of awareness. So, so what's the answer to that? If they're, if they're ignorant, how do we stop from being ignorant? If we're ignorant, how do we stop from being ignorant? It only comes from study. It only comes from learning. It only comes from teaching, from education. For, for this specifically, it would be education of the things of the Lord, which is awesome. That's why we're all here tonight, right? Getting educated on what the Scripture says, on what the Bible has to say. So don't be ignorant, but understand what God's Word is. And, and I actually was just listening to someone recently, and they were talking about how the sign of spiritual growth in one's life is their desire to know what God has to say. You know, if you're here and you really don't care about what is being taught and what's being communicated and you're not really listening and, you know, that's just the sign of major immaturity. That's the sign of somebody that just, you know what I'm saying, they're just not a growing Christian because a growing Christian cares about, they want to be educated. Just like if there's any area of your life that you're interested in, you want to know as much as you can about that area, right? Certain different things fascinate different people. Um, I love technology. Um, I've always been educating myself on technology, on how to take pictures, on, on all different types of things like that. I study the things that I'm passionate about. So we need to be passionate about God's Word. Don't be willingly ignorant. I remember talking to a young man, and uh, this guy had a problem with some of the truths of Scripture, and he really had some problems with it. And uh, they were he had, he had questions such as this. How could... Um, uh, a, a good, all-powerful God allow bad things to happen? How can an all-knowing God send people to hell? How does the fact that God preordains things to happen still mean we can have free will to make those decisions? Now, these are all legitimate questions, okay? There's nothing wrong with having these type of questions. I hope we're all grappling with spiritual questions like this. So, so, I shared with him my very limited <laughs> understanding in, in these areas, but then I got some good books that I knew really dived deep into these subjects, and I gave them to him, and I, I really encouraged him. I was like, hey, why don't you read these books? Let's get together in a few weeks, and let's discuss, um, you know, what? Just at least start working your way through one. Let's get together and talk about it. Well, he wouldn't get together, he wouldn't get together with me. I finally saw him again. It was like, like four weeks later, I'm like, hey, have you, have you gotten into those books yet? And he's like, no, I haven't really had time to read them. Um, I've been really busy, but, but I, I want to get to them. And so I'm like, okay. And then, and then a month went by, and then two months. And then, and then, so then I sent him, I'm like, well, if he's not going to read these books, I, I know like, there's some really good Christian apologetics 
um, apologists on YouTube, and so I found some really good YouTube clips that some apologists were dealing with these very particular um, questions and issues, and I sent them to him so he could watch them. So I, I saw him later, and I was like, hey, did you ever get a chance to watch those videos I sent you? He's like, yeah, I, I started some of them, but I, I, I just didn't really have time to do it. And I really started getting frustrated because I'm like, dude, you came to me and you were like so frustrated with God and so frustrated with the Christian life because there's all these things you don't understand. And I literally give you every, clearly, this guy was willingly ignorant. He did not want to know the truth. All right? He, he was willingly ignorant. And it was so frustrating to me because it's like, your puny little mind, and I kind of said this to him, I was like, because your little mind cannot grasp a massive holy God, you're frustrated, and you're not even willing to look into it. Oh, I was like, dude, I, I was very frustrated, to be honest with you, because I'm like, why? You're just, you're willingly ignorant. You're turning your back on God and Christianity and all of that just because just because in, in your little brain you're like, oh, I don't understand it, so it must not be true. Oh, I was so frustrated. Hey, let's not be willingly ignorant. That is willingly ignorant. I don't want to know the truth. I just want to stick my head in the sand and just think that my little mind has it all figured out. Or because my little mind can't understand it, it must not be true. Let's not be willingly ignorant. We as Christians must be studying the Word of God, asking for guidance from the Holy Spirit. Wow. Verse 2. <laughs> I'll try to wrap this up quick. Verse 2. Ye know that ye were Gentiles carried away with these dumb idols, even as ye were led. So here Paul is warning the Christians at Corinth that they, they were in danger of being involved in false worship. Ye know that you were Gentiles. So, so look what Paul says here. He says, ye know that you were Gentiles. This is what he's saying. You had been Gentiles. This is past tense. This is who you were. They, they had been Gentiles. That, that is used Bible terminology. That means they used to be unsaved. They, they used to be unbelievers. They, they, that's, that's who they were. But you're, that's not who you are anymore. You're Christians now. Ye knew that ye were Gentiles. That's who you were in the past carried away with these dumb idols, even as ye were led. So that's who you were. That's who you had been. That's not who you are anymore. One of the main things that pagans, especially in this city, did was that they practiced a lot of idolatry. Okay, that's what was going on here. And as former pagans, the Corinthian church had once been led astray by these dumb idols who couldn't speak, who couldn't hear. They had been led away by a lot of false worship, a lot of false gods. Obviously, that's not our culture, but there are our own idols that have led us away before we became saved. So they had been worshipers of, of idols, of false gods, but now they were worshipers of the God who could communicate and could actually fellowship with them. They had been carried away. That, that was past tense. That's who you were. You had been carried away and led to serve these idols, but now you were under the power of God. That's who you were. That's not who you are anymore. I see two applications here. Oh, man, ugh, so frustrating. Two applications here really quick. Number one, first, we all know that sin is bondage. All of us know that sin causes bondage. And the Corinthians had been into the bondage of, of all the other things that you see that they're still struggling with, but also the bondage of false worship to the false gods. I'm here to tell you, religious activity can be bondage if that religious activity adds to the finished work of Jesus Christ. 
it can be bondage if that religious activity is adding to the finished work of Jesus Christ. Let me say it this way. Anything that adds to the pure gospel is a false god. Anything that t adds or takes away from the gospel is an idol. Um, that could be rules, regulations, standards, practices, traditions. All of these things, if added to the pure gospel, are false gods. The gospel is, is, the gospel is through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone for salvation. It's not Jesus Christ for salvation plus the way you dress. It's not Jesus Christ for salvation plus depending on how much you give. It's not Jesus Christ plus the standards and rules you place in your life and your family. Jesus plus your music style. Jesus plus fasting. Jesus plus the Bible version that you read. It's Jesus Christ and him alone that saves from sin. All these other things being done to add to the gospel are false gods. Can somebody do all of those things and not go to heaven? Can somebody uh, dress what we would consider the right way? Give millions of dollars to the church? Have the highest standards in their life? Fast twice a week? Carry the right Bible version? Um, can, can someone do all of that and go to hell? Absolutely. Because they're depending on something else besides Jesus Christ. This isn't a new issue. This has been happening for since Jesus Christ came. Acts chapter 15, verses 1 through 31 talks about this. Uh, some of the Jews, they had been trying to, um, it says, And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. So they were like, hey, I mean, Jesus Christ, he's awesome. He's the guy. But you also got to be circumcised, by the way, because if you're not circumcised, then it's actually not salvation. And obviously, I think you guys might know the story, but Paul and Barnabas, they were like, that's not true. They got a council. The council came together. They searched the scriptures because the Bible is our sole authority of faith and practice. And that's what people in the scriptures held to as well. So they searched the scriptures and they're like, yes, that's not true. It's Jesus Christ alone. They went, they shared this message with the Gentile churches and they were very happy let's just say that all right <laughs> because what they were adding to the finished work of jesus christ all right now honestly that's the difference between true christianity or what we would call bible believers christianity and cults because cults add to the work of jesus christ yes it's jesus christ but you also must do this and this and this to get to heaven. Yes, it's Jesus Christ, but you also must do this. You must also have, here, the Book of Mormon as well. Yes, we believe the Bible, but you need this as well, right? They're adding to it. Or cults are all also ones that diminish or take away from what Jesus Christ has done, that he is the complete sacrifice for our sin. Now, we do do all these spiritual practices, right? We do fast, we give to the Lord, we strive to be pure, we serve others, we read and study God's word, we serve and minister in our local church, um, develop personal standards and convictions for our life, but the motivation for all of these things is love of Jesus Christ. We do all these things out of love for Jesus Christ, not because if we do them, then God will love us more, right? God doesn't love us any more than he already does. We don't do these things because if we do them, then we're dad's favorite, okay? I've actually heard some people talk like that. Like, oh uh, yeah, I mean, 
I understand that there's more Christians, but let's be honest, we're God's favorite, if you know what I mean. I mean, I've actually heard people say those types of things. Um, so yes, we do do all those things, but it's because of what we... And listen, Jesus Christ did all those things for us, so we don't do all those things in our life to pay God back, right? It's not a debt thing, because if you feel like the... the the standards you put in your life and giving to God and, and serving in the church, like you're doing it to pay back a debt, that is going to be a chain around your neck because that is a debt you can never pay back, right? So you will be working your whole life to pay back a debt that first off, God never meant for us to pay back because it was paid in full. And that's a debt that you literally can't pay back. So it's out of love for Jesus Christ, who he is. That's why we serve in the church, not because... We like, oh, we got to pay our dues, right? This isn't a country club <laughs> that it's like, yeah, we got to pay our dues to be part of the club. No, you serve, you get involved out of love for who Jesus Christ is. And because Lord, I love you so much. I just want to be a part of it. You know, I heard this quote and I absolutely love this quote. And uh, I don't even know who said it or where it's from, but it says, religion says, I messed up. Dad is going to be mad at me. Um, relationship says, I messed up. I need to call dad. That's the difference. Where are you? When you mess up, are you just like, oh, God is going to be so angry with me? Religion says, I messed up. Dad's going to be so mad at me. Relationship says, I messed up. I need to call Dad. That's where our hearts should be, right? When we sin, the first thing we want to do is get on our knees and pray cry out to God. Not like, oh, God's going to be so mad. Or like all the bad things are going to happen to me now because I messed up. And like now light, like a tree's going to fall on my house and all these things. And that's just, you're living under the wrong mindset of who Christ is. We serve him. We do these things out of love. And then very, very quickly, I promise, I promise. It says, know ye not that you were Gentiles carried away with these dumb idols, even as you were led? Unfortunately, many in the, the, uh, the many of the, the Corinthian church, many of the, the Corinth church members had fallen back into the old sinful, idolatrous beliefs and practices of their former life. It was who they were. It's not who they were anymore. Um, dumb, that's not talking about like they were unintelligent idols. It talk, that's talking about they were speechless, literally without voice. So none of these idols could do anything for them. They had been involved, they had worshipped, they had given, done all of these things, sacrificed for these dumb idols, these, these that couldn't hear, they couldn't help, they couldn't do anything, and now they were serving a God who loved them, who cared, who talked about them, who gave them revelation, who gave them the scriptures. So this is literally what they had. They had the counterfeit, then they finally got the real thing, and they were giving it away to go back to the counterfeit. What would you think if a guy came in the back door here and um, he had a whole stack of fake $100 bills? And we were all like, and he's like, hey, I'll trade you a real $100 bill for this one. And we all know they're fake. And we were just like, whoa, whoa, me, me, pick me. And we all rushed back there. We're all giving him real $100 bills. He's giving us like little fake uh, uh, Monopoly once, and we're just like, oh, I'm so excited, and we're like all walking around waving it. You'd be like, they're, they're lunatics. Why would they do that? Literally, this is what the Church of Corinth was doing. 
They had the real thing, the God who loved them, Jesus Christ himself, all of that, and they were sacrificing it and giving it away to go back to their, their old life, to go back to their old lifestyle, to go back to their old traditions, their old worship, things that were, that were just useless. We are no longer the servants of sin. We are the children of God. Let's stop going back to these dumb idols in our life, things that are worthless, pointless, things that do nothing for us. They take your resources, they take your time, your energy. At this time, the false gods, many of them were satanic in nature. What are the false idols in your life that you keep going back to? You know, there are some things that just aren't worthy of the position you have, right? Like, you know, a boss, let's say a guy was over like 300 people. It's just not proper for that boss to gossip, right? It's like that, you're, you're not in a position to be able to do that. That's, you can't do that. I mean, what would you think if the president, there are some things that just aren't worthy of the, of the position. What would you think if the president got up to address the nation in a tank top and swim shorts, right? It's like, you don't do that because that's just not proper of the position you hold. You can't walk around in tank top and swim shorts. You're the president. You know, there's, we have the highest position spiritually that you can have as children of God. And are we doing things that just aren't proper of the position we hold in Jesus Christ? We need to search that in our own lives. We need to search that in ourselves. And you know, that's why I think this is a good message to start a series on the, the body of Christ because you know why there are so many problems in the body of Christ? Because of carnality. Because of gossip, because of arrogance, because of ignorance of the truth. So I think before we can really be an effective church, an effective ministry, an effective group of people that work together, we have to get the carnality out of our lives. We have to be spiritual, godly men and women that can work together to accomplish great things. And, and the more... Uh, righteous and the more holy and the, the more these a group walks with God, the more unity there is, the more spirituality there is, the, the better that you can work together to accomplish great things for the kingdom. So this is just the first two verses in First Corinthians. We only got for the, through the first two, uh, but we'll move into a little bit more here next week. But we're talking about the body of Christ, and these are just some reminders of who we are in Christ um, let's not be ignorant of truth. Let's live like who we are. Let's stop going back to these idols in our lives. And let's work together for the cause of Christ. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram where you can see what's happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.